Well, good morning. You can uh, take out your inserts, and uh, also if you want to go to Church on the Rock online, or Church on the Rock on your apps in Huntley, you can follow along also with the sermon today. I'm going to be preaching about love like Jesus, hope and healing to a wounded, fractured, and divided world. How many knows that that sounds very relative to today? Amen? Uh, but before I get started, man, I am excited uh, did you all notice a new drummer today playing on the drums? Jim back here, wave at us, Jim. All right. It's so good to have new families in our church. Jim, we welcome you. And also, where's Mike at today, the electric guitar player? Is he in here somewhere? Mike, right here, wave at everybody. Brian, you got somebody to share your responsibilities now with. Very cool. So uh, we're excited. I remember when Brian first started coming and getting some more talent in our church. Uh, it's really cool to see our church on the move and growing every week and adding new families every week. Um, even in our growth steps that Braden was, talked about, was talking about this morning, we've got 26 people in that class right after church today. So we're excited about what God's doing here at Church on the Rock. So anyway, the other day when I was praying, I just felt the Holy Spirit just put in my heart. And he said, Brian, have you ever noticed, are you seeing all the anger in our nation that it's on a rise you know, everywhere we look, if we turn on our TV, if we turn on our TV, it's on the t TV where you see pundits yelling at each other. Then you try to go to the internet and you see people just dissing each other and demonizing each other and putting each other down. And it seems like we're getting more and more divided, more and more polarized and fractions are just springing up. And to me, it's more than I've ever seen in my years walking on this earth. I think it has escalated. So I wanted to address that as a church. And I wanted to say, and I wanted to ask this church that we can make a difference. That we don't have to just go in and be like and go with the rest of the flow of this world. But how many know that the church is supposed to be different? So, so I want to talk, the, especially the next two weeks, how are we supposed to react as believers, as followers of Jesus Christ in a fractured world? How can we be agents of love, agents of unity, agents of harmony? How can we spread Christ's love in this community? So the next two weeks, I was laying in bed about four o'clock in the morning uh, a couple weeks ago and God sometimes messages you you study a lot and you search and and you and you and 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 you just over a period of time you're combining it and putting it together but God just dropped the next two weeks in my spirit it was just like I want you to do this then this then this then this then this well real quick I saw that it was too long to put in one message so this week and next week we're gonna talk about five principles how to love like Jesus in a fractured world alright how many is ready alright the first thing that we need to do I was just laying in my bed and I and, and I just first I just heard treat and then I heard the Lord say Brian we've got to treat others with dignity treat others with dig with dignity uh, the reason why we have to do that is because God created human beings in his image. The Bible says in Genesis 1:27 that God created them male and female. Male and female. Female are created in the image of God just as much as men are. Are you all with me today? 
Male and female were created in his likeness and in his image. That means our dignity starts and originates. It comes from God. Dignity is the image and the likeness that was created in us. He put that in human beings separate from anything uh, else that he created. And even you could say this at the most basic level, at the most basic level, we dignify people by recognizing their value as being a human being. At the most basic level, we need to give people dignity and value them because they are created in the image of God. Some of you, even James said, uh, how can you worship the invisible God when you see visible people in front of you and you curse them with your mouth and, don't, and bless them not? So, so God was like, how can you say you love me and you curse the people that are created in my image? So first of all, we have to realize that dignity comes from the Lord. You know, dignity isn't something that you give people. Dignity is something that you affirm in people. Dignity is already in people because all people are created in the image of God. You, 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 don't, you don't give it, you affirm it. If you're going to love people first, you've got to realize that they have the same dignity as you are. That they were created just like you are. There wasn't any more or any less. Life situations and circumstances in people's life causes them to veer one way or the other. But we know that dignity is in, the, is, is in people and we need to affirm it instead of pushing it away all the time. So even, I was even thinking about this. Even justice is indignity. Well, people say, well, when I'm making my stand against wrong and I make my stand for right, even justice can be done with dignity, guys. Even, even, even war, and, and, and when, when you fight other nations, I mean, there's rules of combat. Things can be done in dignity. Even sentencing of somebody to prison for a, 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 a heinous crime, it can be done with dignity. It can be done with, with if you think that God is going to enjoy forcing people and putting people in an eternal punishment and that he's going to do a victory lap and rejoice on that, you don't know God very well. Justice is even done with dignity. Brothers and sisters, we need to treat people with dignity. And to do that, we got to get off our high horse. We got to get off our self-exalted, our self-made, our self-appointed, our self-image of ourselves that we think, you know, unconsciously we think we're better than or greater than or no more than or more enlightened than. And we have to be careful that we don't stand on a stump of pride. The Bible says there's neither Jew or Greek. There's neither slave or free. There's neither male or female. You think about that. The Jew was like, hey, there's neither. I'm a Jew or I'm a Greek. I'm a great philosopher. Well, I'm a Jew. I'm the chosen of God. Or there's neither slave. Well, I'm a slave, but I'm a free slave. Or there's no, I'm a male. And my wife, I may tell you how things are in my house. There's neither male and there's neither female, for you are all one in Jesus Christ. You know, Peter, Peter, the guy that preached the first sermon after the resurrection of Christ, he didn't even know this at first. He didn't even have this down on treating people with dignity. He was prejudiced. Peter was prejudiced in the beginning. He had to learn 
not to be prejudiced. Sometimes we can be prejudiced and not even realize we're in prejudice because we're blind to our prejudice. But um, in Acts 10, verse 28, the Bible says, Peter said this, Peter said this, God had to show me that I should not think of anyone as inferior or unclean. Man, he had to have a vision. He was like, I have never done what these Gentiles have done. I've never allowed these meats to touch my mouth. Why, I'm not even going to be in the house of people like that. I can't even give them the glory of having my presence in their dwelling place. I'm a Jew. I'm called of God. Peter had this, man. And God had to show him a vision to where all these things all these things that he had never eaten and he had never done and he had never participated in, all these things came down in a sheet, in a vision, to where Peter was like, Lord, I've never touched or done any of those things. And God showed me, he said, what I call clean, let no man call unclean. And God called him to get over himself and begin to minister to the very people that he thought he was better than. Brothers and sisters, Peter had to learn to treat people with dignity. He had to learn that. He, to, he, he said first, he said, he, he, said, um, he said, God has shown me that I should never think of anyone as spirit or unclean. Then in 1 Peter 2.17, he says this at the end of that scripture. I've learned to treat everyone you meet with dignity. And I'm asking you to do that again. I'm asking you to do that. And even with that, get this. How many of you ever got something down in God where you were doing pretty good at it? You're like, man, I got this one down. I'm doing pretty good. How many ever slip back? How many ever do the cycle again? That's cool. Everybody does that. You just got to realize you're doing it. Hit the reset button. Regroup, reset, refocus. Peter got messed up again because things were pressing on. His peers were pressing on him and and these old teachings, to where Paul and him had strong confrontation, where Paul said, all right, Peter, you're doing it again. What are you doing all of a sudden? You get around your peers, you get around the people from Jerusalem, and now you're not eating with people again, and you aren't associated. And the Bible says there that Paul strongly, strongly rebuked him. You know, sometimes we need that strong rebuke. We need that strong kick. To get off our high horse and somebody say treat people with dignity say that with me treat people with dignity never look down on someone unless you're helping them up never look down on them unless you're helping them up it's easy to look down on someone who isn't as successful as you are or who is educated as you are, or who has as much money as you have, or who drives the car that you have, or who has the, uh, the house that you have. I've accomplished so much. But you know what? You have no idea how far people that you're looking down on have already climbed from. And also where they're going to end up. Time can easily reverse everybody's situations. How many know that? Time can reverse. People that think that you got it all together, time can reverse things real quick. Somebody say, we need to treat everyone with dignity. And then the golden rule. Everybody should know Matthew 7, 12. Everybody should know Matthew 7, 12. It says, treating other people with dignity means treating them the way we'd like to be treated 
ourselves. Treating people the way we would like to be treated ourselves. Hey, if you don't like the way you're being treated, look at how you are treating others. It's real simple. If you don't like, I'm not being treated right. Look how you're treating others. There's a spiritual law. You reap what you sow. Sometimes I see everybody on the TV crying. I'm like, you, you reap a lot of what you sow. You reap what you sow. If you want to receive love, sow love. If you want to receive forgiveness, sow forgiveness. If you want to receive people giving you a break, give people a break. Are you all with me today? Treat people the way you want to be treated. If you want change how others treat you, the best starting place is look how you're, you're treating others. If you don't like the way you're treated, there's only one course of action. Change your own behavior because you're not going to change other people's behavior. I like this last sentence. I want you to write this down. Relationships function like a mirror. Relationships function like a mirror. Eventually, that change will reflect back on how you treat others. Relationships are like a, a mirror. So next week, when we're done with this sermon, I want to be able to go through these points. So if I was to say, brothers and sisters, how are we supposed, how are we supposed to be in a world that is fractured, in a world that is polarized, in a world that is divided, what are five principles? What are five things that we should do as a church? Number one is treat others with dignity. Say it again. Treat others with dignity. I heard that so strong in my spirit. Brian, treat others with dignity. Number two, celebrate diversity. I heard it by the Holy Spirit. Treat others with dignity. Celebrate diversity. And next week is share your space. Okay, we're going to hit that one next week. So you need to come back. That's a little glimpse of what next week is. But celebrating diversity begins with trying to understand people. Trying to understand my wife? Wait, no. <laughs> no, I didn't say that. Trying to understand other people. Asking questions. We got to try to understand everyone's narrative how many know that everyone's narrative is different consider your own life everything has shaped you everything 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 you are uh, everything in your own life has shaped you your belief system the way you function the way you feel about things realize that each of us are one of seven billion people on the planet of earth and we all have a different narrative no one's is the same so if we're going to treat, if we're going to celebrate diversity, we got to listen and ask questions and try to hear everyone's narrative, everyone's story. How do you do that? Just walk up and say, tell me your story. Where'd you come from? What was life like growing up? Did you like your father? Did you like your mother? What was your childhood like? Where'd you go to school? When you start asking questions, you're going to hear, well, I didn't go to school. Well, why? well you, you didn't go to school. Yeah, man, this happened in my family. And then you can pick up, man, there was this going on with dad and this going on with dad and mom. And maybe, man, maybe that explains why this person doesn't have a clue how a marriage is supposed to work. But you start asking questions. 
Treat people with dignity enough to where you get two ears where you listen. And you try to understand where people are coming from. And then after we do that, then we can begin to show empathy. When you encounter anyone, try to imagine and understand and sympathize with that person's story. With everything that has made them the way, they're, the way that they are. Yesterday I was in a funeral. Carmen and I did a funeral yesterday in, uh, I think it was east of Death's Plains. But what I loved about this funeral, it was a funeral where the lady died at 56 years old. She was beautiful, beautiful woman, very athletic, very intelligent, um, traveled the world, had amazing children. Her child's a doctor. The other one, um, the other one, I can't remember what the, it was, but the doctor married an airplane pilot that trains people for the, for the Air Force. I mean, very cool family. But um, the family had let me know that, that this was going to be a tough funeral because there was a lot of friction, a lot of things going on. And, um, and, and so I, I was actually, you know, calling people, remember me in prayer and, and stuff yesterday. And, and, uh, but when I got there, this, lady, this girl named, this, this, this girl, the oldest daughter, I won't use any names, this oldest daughter, because the Lord had put in my heart, when somebody dies suddenly, that can leave you with coulda, woulda, shoulda. You can be left with guilt like, oh man, I didn't even talk to, I haven't talked to him in five years. Man, last recourse, I remember them as we were yelling at each other and said, I never, I hate you and I never want to see you ever again. Uh, and, and that's why guys take care of things today because death can take anyone. So, so anyway, I'm thinking, I'm seeing that and, and stuff, but this girl gets up with such courage, and she said, we found out last year that mom was schizophrenic, and I have compassion for people that deal with anxiety and depression because I deal with it, so I already am very aware of that. And I'm very sympathetic, and, and I have a lot of empathy for people like that. In fact, some, some great people in the world, it's Charles Spurgeon, they said he, his, his family used to get nervous because they was afraid he was going to hurt himself. One of the greatest oracles of Christianity. I mean, nobody, I, people battle with anxiety and depression and stuff, but, but, when, but this daughter, when she found that out, she heard the narrative, and she found that out, it gave her a heart to where she could say, me and mom made it right before she died. Me and mom made it right. So, man, when there's division or there's fracturedness in relationship, instead of building walls, instead of building fences, instead of saying, I'll never forgive you, it bothers me when I turn on the, the TV and see politicians say, I'll never, they will never be able to forgive. And they're our example. The way I understand the word, you're supposed to forgive seven times 70. You're supposed to forgive 490 times a day. Hello, I don't think any of you is doing it. I'll never forgive anybody. Well, then you'll, you'll stay in torment. 
and you will be the one that can't sleep at night because the Bible's very clear that when you harbor unforgiveness, you're tormented with emotional pain. And it can even get into your physical body. So, so don't always watch our leaders as their example. Let's watch Jesus, the leader, uh, that's the example. But, but what I love is this person, her whole thing changed because she knew the narrative. And then she became em empathetic. How many know that, that, that they're, again, again, what this lady did, what this daughter did, is she didn't, she didn't try to pull out dignity, she affirmed it. Mom, I know what you dealt with, and I'm sorry things came between us. Nobody knew you dealt with this in your mind. Nobody knew you was going through this. We just saw these actions. It is beautiful when people can begin to do that sort of thing. If you don't hear anything else today, hear that. Man, so how do we celebrate diversity? We try to understand people, asking questions, understand their narrative, show empathy, befriend all people. To me, when, to me, when, when, I, come in a, in, when I go into a situation where I feel like, when I pastored in small towns, you could really understand this. When you pastor in small towns, if something goes down at the church, to where they leave your church and go down to this church and then they leave that church after a while and go down to this church I grew up in that but then you see him and you see him at Walmart and you see him at you see him one thing that's nice about this country is if you get upset with anybody you can go lock yourself in and never see anybody again but I don't think it's healthy I don't think it's healthy in small towns you walk and you're like oh boy I'm going down this aisle and then, uh-oh, it gets where you can't go down any aisles, all right? So it forces you to deal with some stuff, all right? But I, I've learned, too, if, if there's things that make me uneasy, the Bible says don't let the sun go down in your anger. Befriend. Everybody say befriend. If there's division, think befriend people. Try to understand. Um, so anyway, there's value in uniqueness. There's value in you, you, uniqueness. They'll never be another you somebody say there'll never be another you uh one time my one time my uncle we raised sheep and um man we had a champion suffolk everybody say suffolk suffolk is a sheep that has a black face but certified registered an amazing suffolk sheep well anyway one day we came in and this this ram had literally rammed his head and to a wall over and over and over to where he, he he went in and he was laying dead in there in the pen and my uncle was trying to calm this ram down so he put in some music to try to calm it down and the tape got stuck on that old song there'll never be another you Brian, you get that one, don't you? <laughs> a you is a female sheep. <laughs> oh, man, get back to the Bible, would you? <laughs> I'm sorry. Wasn't even in my notes. We just need to laugh every once in a while in church. All right? So uh, God created us. I want to spend my last few minutes. I've got like six seven more minutes I want to send my last spend my last few minutes on this thought 
God created us uniquely different, yet to be one. And there's so many benefits to diversity. And I started thinking about diversity or differences between Carmen and I. And what's interesting about diversities between differences between Carmen and I and husband and wife, actually, when you first start dating, that's what attracts you to them. What, what attracts you to the person you probably married was the uniqueness that they were. But what happens so many times in marriage is after you get married and the new wears off, we start trying to change each other. Carmen got her list and started trying to change this about me. And no, <laughs> I'm kidding. And I have my list and, 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 and those things that brought us together. But we, weren't, we have to learn to celebrate our differences. And you know, just to prove this point, today going to church, today coming to the church, uh, Carmen and I rode together and we were sitting down. Can everybody see my legs? We were sitting down in the truck and I was, and my socks started to show. If you can't see, everybody see my socks. My socks started to show, and my wife goes, are you kidding me? <laughs> and she said, you look really good today, Brian. And I was like, oh, thanks. And then I realized she's making fun of me. I realized she's making fun of me. And she's like, uh, Brian, does that, hey, first of all, how many of you men think these socks are fine? Woo, Woo baby, come on. How many of you men think these socks are fine? How many of you women are like, Brian, why don't those socks meet your shirt? Oh, women, you're, you're weak today. Come on, women. Be, how many's on Carmen's side? Go change your socks. All right, so we have division in the house today. How can we celebrate diversity today with that uh, polar opposites you know what else about my wife I'm a country boy you're not gonna believe me you don't believe this I have never I never ate Chinese food until I met Carmen what no crab rangoons no never heard of them um, I never uh, I never had Mexican food I never definitely have Indian food I had nothing but steak and potatoes, and if it was grown in the garden, you ate it, and if you grew it out in the pasture, you ate it. That was it. Man, she enlightened me. Last night, I ate Malaysian food. Malaysian. It was amazing. Now I'm like the guy that tries to find a food that's different. But that diversity has made my life fuller. Okay? I like lifting weights. Is Matthew here today? Hey, Matthew. Uh, Matthew came over and we were doing triceps. And I've gotten where I can take the tricep rope. And I mean, I can, I can push the whole thing now. I, I can do these. And then these I can do a whole lot of weight on. In fact, I usually have to have somebody stand on my feet to, so, because I can do a lot of weight on these. Matthew came in. And I say, Matthew, what's your favorite tricep exercises? 
And Matthew said, my favorite tricep exercise is he got up and did some dips. Everybody know what a dip is? He got up and did dips. I couldn't do any dips. I couldn't do any dips. And Matthew was like tearing me up. And then the other exercise, he showed me another favorite exercise that he did with triceps. And I could do very little. Same thing works with everything. I talked with Chad one day. And Chad said, man, you got three muscles on your shoulder. And I found out I wasn't doing anything for the middle muscle. But I had good muscles in this here. And then Chad told me about a muscle back here that I didn't even know we had. And he's like, yeah, you have it. Look. And I'm like, ah, show off. <laughs> and so now I'm, I'm working on these muscles. They worked out different than I did. Well, instead of saying, my workout's the best. I can do this. Man, I'm, at the, I'm the tricep king. I'm the shoulder king. My triceps. No, embrace diversity. And I took those weak points and made them my number one exercises and started developing things that I never developed. Guys, let's embrace diversity. Let's embrace differences. Let's embrace uniqueness. Let's not think that we have the corner on everything in our thinking, in our, in, in our exercise programs, whatever it is. Does everybody understand where I'm going with those examples? Pa parents, I want to even say this to you. I'm telling you, me and Carmen were polar opposites. But that polar opposite is what's made an amazing marriage. Hey, parents, parents, listen to this. Do you have a child that there's one or two things that driving you crazy? That my, uh, Jordan, he about sent my wife to the loony house on, per on persistency. And, and seriously, huh? I, I mean, she wear, Jordan could wear mama out and then wear dad out. And then we'd call him, tell him, call grandma and grandma and tell him grandma and grandpa. He'd wear, he'd wear the whole family out. But because he was such, he was driven. Hey, parents, even the things in your kids that seem like something that you don't have, are you listening to me? Something that you don't have or that really isn't you, instead of snuffing out that strength, why not celebrate that diversity? We were able to take Jordan's drive and not snuff it out but channel it. Channel it. Create a pathway. Because the reason he's succeeding right now as a musician in California and writing music and stuff is because you have to have tenacity to make it in that field. Let's celebrate diversity. Any business owners today? If you celebrate diversity in a business, it increases productivity because they might have a way that's better than yours. It could improve creativity. They thought of something you didn't, which leads to increased profit, improved employee engagement. This isn't your company. It's my company. Re reduces employee turnover because they feel apart. It improves the company's rep reputation. You now have a wider range of leadership skills and a wider base. And you can improve cultural insights because, guys, we're in a global economy. How many say we need to celebrate diversity?
and what's different. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray that this sermon will just, I felt like you said to tell the people after this sermon to take your notes home, re-listen to it on podcasts, which you can do on, um, on the um, Church on the Rock Huntley app. And sit down with your families, your wife, and say, what do you think about the message today? How can we grow as a husband and wife? How can we grow as a family? Father, in Jesus' name, church together, let's just pray. Lord, as our country is divided, and people are divided and Republican and Democrat like never before, and divided on I believe this way and you believe that way, walls and fences and anger is rising and rising and rising. I pray right now, I pray that everybody in the church would say, God, fill me with your Holy Spirit. Let me not look at politicians' examples and say that's the way Christ would do it. I don't think so. Both sides. Carmen said, stay off politics today, Brian. It's hard, but both sides are ridiculous. Father, help the church not to go as the world. Lord, help church marriages not to go as the world. Help church families not to go as the world because there is a way. The Bible says there's a way which seemeth right unto a man and to the world, but the end thereof is the ways of death. Jesus, you said, the thief cometh not for it but to steal, kill, and destroy, but I've come that you might have life. And right now I ask you, do you want life or do you want death? If you want life, choose you this day whom you are going to serve. Are you going to serve the Lord Jesus Christ? Are we going to treat people with dignity and embrace diversity? And are we going to share the space and put love in action? And are we going to be peacemakers in this world? God, call us today. Call us today to be one. Right now, the, Jesus said... Right before he left, he said, I pray that my disciples could be one. Jesus prayed to God and he said, man, I hope my disciples can be one like you and me are, Father. Right now, think about that. Jesus said, I wish everybody could be one like you and me are, Father. Right now, I want you to pray, God, I pray that me and my wife could be one like you and Jesus are, Father. Pray that. I pray that right now, if you have relationships that are severed, relationships that are broke, don't wait till a funeral to say what you need to say. Don't wait till a death to say, I'm sorry, and how can we reconcile? Thank you, Lord. Right now, I just feel this. If you want... If you need, if, if there's things in your life that you need to address where there's divisions and fractured and polarization, every head bowed and eyes closed, but, but you, there's things you know, the Holy Spirit's showing you that you need to address some things, but you feel insignificant or powerless and you don't know how you can do it. You don't, you don't 
see how what you don't know what to do. Nobody looking around. Lift up your hands if you don't. You feel like you got to do something, but you don't know what to do. You feel powers. Lift up your hands. Seriously, I feel the Holy Spirit saying, "Lift up your hands all over this place, all over this place." There's things I need to deal with. There's things I need to address. There's things I need to do, but I don't have the strength or the know-how. Or I don't even know. I, I feel insignificant. Right now, I want us to stand to our feet. I want us to stand to our feet. And I just want you to place your hand on each person beside you or put your hands out like this and maybe hold each other's arms or something. I know that's pretty awkward if you're visiting and stuff, but I just feel that. Would you pray on the one on your left? Say, Lord, give my brother or sister on the right, give him strength today. Look to the person on your left and say, give him strength today. I saw Robert look clear over at you, Ryan. Rob over here, look clear over here at Ryan, and he's praying for you right now, Ryan. Stand up for Rob's praying for you right now. I saw him look at you. Amen. Father in Jesus, and give my brother strength. Give my sister strength. Help them to do and work on these things. Man, I feel this really, really strong. Nobody's looking around. Husband and wife. If there's division between it, between yuns, would you just rip, put your hand out and just to hold your wife or your husband's hand? Don't say nothing, just as an act that I'm hearing what preacher's saying. We're going to make it. We're going to make it. What drew me to you was your polar opposites. Right now, I pray for healing in relationships. Come on, pray with me. I pray for healing in relationships. I pray for husbands and wives to be one as Jesus and Father are one. Lord, I break down every wall. In the Spirit, I see walls that have been built. I break them down now in Jesus' name. The Bible says that the Word of God is a hammer, and I see a hammer hitting a wall. I, want, I see a hammer, a sledgehammer, hitting a wall that's between you and your wife. Come on, somebody say walls are coming down. In the name of Jesus Devil, we break every power. We break every assignment. We break every power. Jesus Christ breaks this down and gives these people an opportunity for freedom. In Jesus' name. Father, right now as a, as a body, Lord, we pray for our nation. Lord, we pray as Democrats have made their war against Republicans and Republicans have made their war against Democrats and we're all standing in our cellars and we're all dying for our causes. Lord, I pray that there could be some unity in the House of Representatives. I pray there could be some unity in, this, in the Senate. Father, I pray this 270 or whatever days that election is coming. Lord, I pray that you would appoint senators, that you would appoint House of Representatives. Lord, I pray that you would appoint people that, that celebrates our religious freedom, that celebrate life. Lord, I pray, God, that you would put people in office that help take your kingdom forward in Jesus' name. Father, we'll not stand silent in the church. Father, people today, 
that while I was preaching, they remember last conversations that ended really bad. If that's you today, right now, I want you to have a soft heart before the Lord. The Bible says if you'll humble yourself before the mighty hand of God, He will lift you up. He'll lift you up out of that situation. But it starts with humility. Right now, whoever it is, even if they did you wrong, I want you to say, I forgive. And I pray, and I want you to say, Lord, bless them and give me a heart for them. Let me see them like you do. And I want you to affirm dignity in Jesus' name. Man, for our, you guys that are new, I usually don't end church like this, but I just felt like doing it that way today. I feel a release that that's what I was supposed to do. Guys, I'm telling you, there were lives transformed in this last seven or eight minutes. Trust me on that. Trust me on that. And guys, listen, if, if you participated in prayer, don't let the devil steal what you got today. When you leave, he's going to try to steal it. Don't let the enemy steal what you have. Hold that victory. Amen. We're going to have the prayer team come forward. If you need prayer for anything, Jesus said, my house is a house of prayer. If you want prayer for anything, these guys are going to be up here. We're going to dismiss you in the name of Jesus. If you're here for the grow steps, it is 11. What time is it? Can somebody tell me what time it is? It's 11, 11. If you're here for grow steps, go ahead and go upstairs and get your food. There's about 26 of you. Go ahead and get your food unless you're being prayed for. Go to the third floor, get your food. I'll begin teaching upstairs about 11.35. Hey, give somebody a high five around you. Give somebody a hug. God bless you. Come back next week, and we're going to learn more.